Hello, children. Uh, it's the old captain here. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> woke up in the Southern Command. Uh, this uh, episode was uh, recorded uh, with me and John Steele on his show. He had me on his show. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, John Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E. It's uh, me and a guy a little bit older than me, uh, just rambling on. He has a show where he interviews different people. It's good to see that he's coming back. He does have the voice for podcasting. He, uh, like my, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story, but my stepdad said, I was young. He's like, you should get into theater or, or news anchoring or something. And like, well, I get that, Jake, but... Because my stepdad is is a grizzled old veteran. Uh, what was it? Seven tours in Vietnam? I mean, badass motherfucker. Um, and to have that advice come from him, what? <laughs> and we laughed at him, and he was somewhat right, because had I not, sure enough, I ended up in radio, and now I do this. But John Steele has the voice for radio, but says radio is a dying industry. Uh, he should definitely do podcasts. He'll put that together. And uh, to be truthfully honest, I said, hey, can I use that, uh, this audio? Can I rip the audio from the YouTube? He says, yeah, sure, go ahead. And now the old captain doesn't have to podcast. And so I'll insert the ads there. And uh, that's it. We'll be returning to the Northern Command next week. And, uh, but otherwise, we'll be enjoying this sweet, sweet 90-degree weather and the sun and the motorcycling and the fun, packing in the fun, because I found out yesterday that I'm going to die. Uh, it might be 30, 35 years until I die. I said, oh my God, I'm going to die. And so I'm going to pack in the fun, and I suggest you kids do too. And I hope you enjoy the show. The Clary Podcast is brought to you by uh, academiccomposition.com. Go there if you don't want to write your liberal arts papers. Because why would you? Nobody wants to. Even the liberal arts majors don't want to write their papers. They just want to graduate with their degree and then think that they're going to be lucky and score a six-figure government job. But that's not going to happen to them either. Anyway, go to academiccomposition.com and have Alex and his crack team of writing staff write your papers for you. If you want to become a writer, contact Alex as well. He pays by the page at a fair market wage. And he also has marketing positions. We just post ads up on Craigslist. Both jobs are incredibly boring. Both jobs are not going to be rewarding. Both jobs are rewarding only in the financial sense that they pay. And you could do them remotely, uh, even from a beach in Thailand. Uh, we have my Amazon affiliate program. If you shop online through Amazon, well, then why don't you go and give the captain some money? Does it cost you any more? So how, does that ha- how can I give the captain money? And it doesn't cost me any more. All you have to do is go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner. It's to the right. It's in the right. Don't tell me it's not there. It's there. I just checked it. Click on that banner. Do all your shopping there. And I get a 6 to 7% commission and cut for sending the traffic to Amazon.com. Doesn't cost you a penny more. <clears throat> Rattlerstrap.com. Check out Rattlerstrap.com if you're looking for a durable belt made by an entrepreneur. Uh, made with power paracord. It's what uh, they use in uh, parachutes, the cord that attaches the parachutes. He he makes belts out of those. Invisiblehandfashion.com. Born out of frustration from the inability of idiotic co-workers and a large leftist shithole to understand basic logic, Invisiblehandfashion.com serves up cold hard facts in both snarky and subtle forms on books, not books, sorry, on clothes, shirts, uh, bags, coffee mugs, that type of thing. They're a merch account. And they have a lot of cool shirts with charts and data and economics. They will certainly start a conversation that's assuming people are smart enough to look at them long enough to figure out what the heck that shirt means. Steve Jerky. Go to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky if you are interested 
and getting some jerky. It's better than the average jerky, a lot better. Um, he's no longer selling it by the gallon. He invested in some better equipment, and now it sells it in five-ounce packs. They sell for $10 a piece, plus five bucks shipping. If you buy three or more, he will cover the shipping. That's facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky and businessbuyeradvantage.com. In order to get ahead and take advantage of tax laws and maximize your lifestyle, you need to be in business for yourself. It's faster, cheaper, easier, and less risky to buy an already successful business than it is to try and do a startup. Access tons of free information about how to go and buy and sell a business at businessbuyeradvantage.com. If you like what you see, you could go deeper by taking the Business Buyer Advantage online course. Use the discount code CLARY to get a special price. Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. It's or something? Yeah, we're uh, we're we're on air now. So, oh, we're uh, live. Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, uh, hello and welcome. I'm back after a very long hiatus from my YouTube channel, and. Uh, I am lucky enough to have the old Cappy himself joining me, and this should be a lot of fun. Two uh, Gen Xers are going to just kind of talk angry. a little bit. Very angry, angry Gen, Xers. Gen Xers. Very pissed yeah. off. Uh, well, Aaron Cleary and angry, that, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? It is. It's Yes. It, it's implied, <laughs> especially today. Especially today. Well, anyway, so how you doing, buddy? What's going on? I, I, aside, from, aside from temporary anger, I'm, I'm doing very well. Things have never gone better. I'm glad you're coming back. You had the voice for, I'd like to say radio, but radio is a dying, if not already dead industry. Uh, so I'm glad that you're going to go and back and doing the, where have you been? Oh man, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just been, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think after the Trump thing, I kind of got burnt out on, on this whole uh, YouTube thing and everything. I, I just, you know, and, it it became. I, I guess I kind of developed a fear of getting involved in uh, internet e drama or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, no, I I, I totally understand. What's his name? Uh, Beckloff's sidekick had to drop out because he was actually getting social anxiety over it or trauma or something like that. And, and I yeah, you have to unplug. You have to unplug, or you become what you hate. Yeah, and it, it's you know, and then like you see kind of where it's going now with the Kumite and. And all this stuff, where it, it's kind of, um, you know, let's be honest, it kind of it's kind of brings out the worst in human nature a little bit. You know, a lot of this stuff, if you're not careful, you can get really sucked into it, and you uh, lose the distinction between yeah, your YouTube or internet life and real life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, the the Kumite, what is this? Is this the um, uh, uh, Rock'em Sock'em robots? Like you un- invite people under false pretenses, and then they fight or something, or what? Um, I think it's just basically just getting people on who disagree with each other and just, you know, have them, you know, kind of attack each other. And it's basically everybody just tunes in for the fucking train wreck of it. 
So it's Jerry Springer. Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's that's probably a good way to. From what I understand, I only watched one episode of it, but I just hear people talking about it and and all that kind of thing. And it's not really something that interests me. Maybe it's our age, Aaron. You know, we we kind of lose. Uh, don't have that kind of interest. You get to be a man in your forties, and you're like, you know what? I got better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> not well. It's not only do we have better things to do, but I'm sure I've, I did some math, and I'm almost forty five. And if you you break it down into three fifteens, you're like, holy shit! Like, okay, the first fifteen years of your life seemed like it took forever, in part because you were in school, but you're also a kid. Everything's new. Then fifteen to thirty. That was like trying to figure out everything in dating and college and career. And all of a sudden you're a, a mensch, a true man by the age of 30. But man, the past roughly 15 years is gone. And not to, not to sound like, times are flying. Time is fucking flying. And I'm thinking like another 15 years, I'll be 60. And my life is too damn short to be getting pissed off. I don't know a damn thing about Comey. I don't know anything about the Russians or Trump. And what shocks me is all these people, older and presumably wiser than me, who piss away hours, days of their lives. Oh, my God. Did you see what the oh Fox News this and CNN that? And, oh, the Trump, they came out with this memo. And I, I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. I love myself, and I'm way too fucking important to get caught up in this bullshit and drama, let alone a bunch of uh, real nerds, not cool nerds or geeks, but like genuine nerds who have nothing else going on to get caught up in their fucking Kumatang, uh, which I thought was the name of the Taiwanese party uh, under Chiang Kai-shek. Apparently means something different now. Uh, But I don't have time to get caught up in this petty bullshit, let alone, like, I was kind of shocked when, um, what's his name, Undertow dropped out because it was, the Trump thing was too stressful. I'm like, how much stress have you had in your life that an election like, holy shit, man, really? Like, you got to go take some meds? And not to say he did, but um, I, I just, I, I'm not, I, I can't let that get to my life. And so very apropos to what you said, I step outside now. I don't see politics. I go to ride my motorcycle. I don't see, I don't think Trump, I don't, uh, like the people in Fort Collins, don't know if you heard this, but um, someone was driving down the streets of Fort Collins and realized most of them were named after men. So now there's a law being passed where they have to change the street names to women. Like I oh, got Christ. I, how my life is way better than that. Way more important than that. I got, like you said, way more important shit going on and I'm going to fucking die. So terribly sorry if I'm ignorant about the news. No, I didn't know what Trump tweeted. I don't know what fucking big titted whore porn star came out and said whatever about him this time. I don't care if he fucked or silly. I just don't care. And now I'm going to go and, and do my thing and have fun in life. And so that's that's kind of where I am now. Well, on that same vein, I did something about uh, several months back. You, you specifically be very proud of me for this. I cut the cord. I no longer have cable, no Fox News, no CNN, no none of that. And the $120 bill that comes with it or something? Yeah, I think mine, you know, I had it packaged with the internet. I kept my internet, mm-hmm. obviously, because we're doing mm-hmm. this. But um I was paying with the internet and the cable. I was paying uh, with all the tax and fees with like 112 and change. Oh yeah, oh yeah, easy. And I know people were paying more than that because they would. Ha- I didn't have any premium channels. You know, I didn't have like HBO or any of that stuff. So um, I got rid of all that stuff, and I have. I got uh, for nine bucks. I got a little HD antenna. I can get my local. Uh, local broadcast or whatever. So you know, if I ever do want to watch television, I can. You know. Mm-hmm. 
You're going to find out you're not going to want them. There's nothing on. It's just. No, there actually there is. And that was kind of it. Because even with like when I had the 500 freaking channels, there was nothing on. So, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I'm like, if I want to watch the local news or something, I can still do that. So it's not like I'm completely isolated myself. But, uh, you know, I just did that. And, you know, kind of like on your vein of, you know, cutting, cutting unnecessary costs, you know, things like that. I know that's a topic near and dear to your heart. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, not, and not just the amount of money you're saving, you know, you're saving, you know, anywhere from uh, 50 to 100 bucks a month uh, by getting rid of that stuff. But, you know, how much time suckage there is, like watching oh. 24 hour news channels, because they actually hypnotize you. You know, I, I remember doing that during the campaign period where I'm watching it like on a like on a Saturday or Sunday, say, an afternoon where I didn't necessarily have anything to do at free time. And I realized I was watching one show after the other, and it was the same news being reported, just a different person telling you it. Mm-hmm. You didn't learn anything new. No. Well, and the other thing is what, what ultimately, the first question I'm asking about things, and it's hard because you're emotional and you care and all that other stuff, is do I control it? And once I realized... If I don't control, I stop paying attention to the news. I stop paying attention to financial news because I don't control the stock market. I certainly don't watch the View or the daytime talk <laughs> shit where women. I'm shocked, Aaron. I'm yeah, shocked. I know I, that that much I knew, but you know, and a lot of more more our audience. Let's, let's not kiss their ass, but let's be accurate. They're probably a little bit more intelligent than average. Uh, you think, oh, I ought to pay attention to the news. That's what good citizens do. I should pay attention to the financial markets and financial news because that's I care about my retirement. And after a while, I'm like, nope, don't control it, not paying attention to it. And so politics, financial news, I never really paid attention to sports, but you want to talk about a lower class of IQ people, people who watch sports analysis, you guys ought to be dragged out in the street and shot. Um, I mean, there's, do you control the outcome of the hockey game? The Saints are in, or not the Saints, the Wilds in the playoffs. Oh, my God, everyone's wearing jerseys. And it's like, you really control the outcome? No, you don't. And what people I think are fine, and, and like kind of what you realize is, is the time. Just like what, what, how many days was it nice outside you were watching the news? Uh, and you could have yeah. been outside playing. Absolutely right. Um, right. And especially, you know, I live in Seattle, so I got to take advantage of my nice days, okay? We get mm-hmm. this three-month fucking window, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you got to use it, man. You got to get that vitamin D. You got to stock up on stock up on it for your body because you ain't going to be seeing the sun for another fucking nine months out here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It can't be involved in that. But, you know, I want to touch on something because it's not something I think I've ever talked about in any of my, uh, you know, live streams like that. But, I mean, you're, you're a financial guy and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if we could just kind of briefly talk a little bit about investing in money and stuff like that. I know you say you don't watch the markets like on a daily basis, but you've right. got to, um, you know, I guess at least quarterly or maybe, you know. Well, if they throw it up in your face. Like you can see it like, you know, you log out if you're, oh, Dow Jones up to this or this or, or a big if there's a genuine news story like, oh. Federal Reserve does X, Y, and Z. Um, and then also I do teach these finance classes online. So I do have to pay some attention, but I ain't waking up at 5 a.m. to see the markets open in New York City. Like, oh, what are the futures doing? Oh, my God. Uh, so I, I do pay some attention, but certainly not more than I need to. Yeah, well, actually, there was a point in my life in the uh, late 90s where I did a lot of options trading. Mm-hmm. And I actually made a good bit of money actually doing that. Um because that was during the, the bull time, you know, and, and you know, sure, the com mania. Right. Right. Yeah. And during that time, I, I kind of locked, you know, I, I got very, I got very fortunate in the stock market uh, or well, capital markets, not just the bond market as well. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the ways I was able to buy the, the place that I own um, was I bought all these junk bonds when I, uh, I think I had uh, eight grand at the time I was in college and I bought 
junk bonds of uh, Chrysler. This is when they were about to go into their second bankruptcy. Okay. And um, they everybody thought they were going to be bankrupt. So I bought all these junk bonds. And they um, – what's I can't remember the guy's name. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was a billionaire. Lee controlled- Iacocca? No, not, that, was, that was the first bankruptcy in the 80s. But there was another not, guy. Not Kevorkian. Kevorkian's the doctor. There's another Who's billionaire. Guy? I can't. Carl, I can't. That's it. Yes. Okay. All right. So All this right. is what happened. This is what made my first money in the markets. Um, he, so to get to prevent going bankrupt, they had a, a second another stock offering, you know, kind mm-hmm. of just begging for money. They're going to dilute their shares in this in this hope, whatever. But anyway, this guy, for some reason, you think this guy, you know, he decided he still wanted to keep his 10 percent stake. So in order to keep his 10 percent, he had to buy at least, you know, 10 percent of the new offerings. Okay. So everybody was like on bated breath, not knowing whether this guy was going to buy it or not. But then when he did, because he was a billionaire, I don't know whatever happened to the guy. I don't know. <laughs> um, everybody else did. And then the market turned. And then my 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 bonds shot through the fucking roof. And I just made out like a bandit. And that was what I used to uh, use for the down payment on my uh, condo. Awesome. In Seattle. In Seattle, yeah. Which has Which has maybe gone up a little bit since 1998. <laughs> Yeah, not to toot my horn. I'm going to speak a little bit about my own personal <laughs> finances here, but I bought this place for 151. Oh my god! Oh, it's shit. now worked about 600. Oh my god, that's fucking awesome! That's and I own it outright. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I didn't buy. I, I didn't buy it in full disclosure. I didn't buy it outright. I mean, I lived here. For, I paid it off in about uh, um, well, about 14 and a half years. Okay, maybe accelerated like payments. Yeah. 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 And uh, oh, that, that's something if people are speaking about, you know, money and finance, if you can do that, if you can make an extra payment uh, uh, with 13 payments a year instead of 12, right. do that. Because um, if, if you look at the amortization, amortization of, of your mortgage, you'll see that, uh, you know, you can you can do this on the uh, Internet. There's free tools for it. Um, you'll see that all the money in the beginning is just going through interest and you're not building up any right. fucking equity. Right. So you you want to get those payments out, out of the way, uh, the interest done you want to chip away at what you actually owe and then more and more your payments are are, are going into the equity of your home which you which you own you actually right your it's called it's home. called it's accelerating the amortization you you pay down as much as you can early on as possible and i i forgot it depends on your interest rate and everything but if you make an extra principal payment day one of your mortgage it i think it lops off like two years yeah. Of your mortgage. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. So the earlier you can pay is why I always recommend people work a second job and pay off at least not pay off their mortgage, but make some huge principal payments early on to just knock that balance down because it really does accelerate your amortization and pays off that mortgage earlier. And it's a great, you know, it's a great uh, peace of mind to have when you have that equity because, you know, people buy a home and especially when I bought my place, it was back in the in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, you were kind of expected to put 20% down. Right. Now people right. put like, what, 2% down? Oh, well, you can get, yeah, 3% FHA and, and then it's shipped off to the secondary market. And the you don't even have banks approving these loans. You got mortgage brokers who never hold, they broker it. It's like, okay, we'll set off in the secondary market. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't they don't even hold it. They're supposed to be the guardians and they oh, okay, sure, whatever you put on this piece of paper. Hey, Wall Street buy this crap, you know. But that's yeah, yeah it's, it's down to 3% nowadays. Yeah, which is which is insane that people are lending you money, you know. I mean, people you know, during the housing crisis, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a, I'm a a massage therapist. Uh, <laughs> how much do you make a year? I don't know, 18, 20 grand, 1000. Okay, yeah, well, you're approved for half a million. Yeah. 
this this doesn't have any this doesn't this is principle free it's interest only it's fine and don't worry what happens three years later god almighty so uh but yeah no that's great dude that you paid off that house. why are you even in seattle anymore why don't you sell that go go to spokane go on the other side of this cascades where there's like you know sun and mountains and and just like retire or you know do something else well the, the main reason is uh I don't mean to be crass, but I, I'm, I don't have a, a live-in uh, uh, woman, so it's uh, it's to get laid regularly. Oh, okay. You, you're, it's a target-rich environment you live in? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's not really great because Seattle has way too many men because yeah. – um, uh, so, IT industry and all that. Yeah, the IT industry and stuff like that. And new cities – newer cities in general tend to have way more men because men are more likely to travel for – at least they were – um, so there's way more men than, uh, than women in Seattle. It's really bad that way. Mm. Um, and any tech in, you know, I mean, so, you know, like Chicago was great. I remember I always used to love traveling to Chicago oh, when I was Chicago in my twenties. Mm. Um, I don't know if it still is, but the ratio used to be great there. I mean, you could not help but get laid in Chicago or even New York was great too. I mean, these were the places I remember like when I was in my twenties and early thirties, I, I visited New York all the time. So that's where I'm from. And, I'd be hanging out in the bar in New York, just bullshitting with a buddy of mine, and girls would just come up to us and start conversations. Mm. I mean, you never had to open or anything. You know? I, I think it was also more back in the '90s as well, too, where women were—I thought they were pretty bad, but by God, by today's standards, they were pretty good. But yeah, I, I lived in Chicago in the '90s as well, and it was just like, "Hey, how you doing?" I mean, I don't think I ever got shut down for a date. Like, "Hey, you want to go dance? Hey, you want to go do that?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's do that." And you're like, "What? Wait, what? I'm sorry." <laughs> Oh, you're from Chicago. Oh, all right. But yeah, it, it's, uh, and based on my friends who live in Chicago, it's still a, a great place to meet women. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly better than Seattle. I mean, if you're, uh, I, I recommend people going to, uh, Chicago, to, you know, just check it out and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot, we, we know some, we have mutual acquaintances that live in Chicago and stuff like that. And they tend to have nothing but negative things to say about it now. So I can't really speak to it, uh, accurately, but I had a lot of good times there. Mm-hmm. So then what, so if the, if there's all these, if it's a sausage party in Seattle, again, why don't you sell your house and move and go to like, say Texas or something or someplace that's warm and sunny and not, couple, I mean, even, couple, even within reasons. Washington. I, well, I, I thought about like moving, uh, I, I have considered moving actually. Um, and if I do, I would probably go, I would stay in the Pacific Northwest because I do like, uh, I'm somewhat of a, a firearms enthusiast, I guess you say. I'm part of the gun culture. Right. I enjoy that kind of a thing. So I could never move to like um, a very, uh, you know, a liberal place that has all these anti-gun laws and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm you know, part of that. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I have like those kind of leanings, so I couldn't be around that. Um, so that kind of restricts me, you know, where I can go. Um, also, you know, I mean, I've been here for a long time now and I, you know, have my, my friends and my social circle here and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, in theory, I could sell my place. I have a, it would, would be, you know, a shitload of cash. I could buy, uh, an actual house. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, the, the, what, what people are paying for apartments is insane. Uh, you know, in the spe- especially the specific neighborhood of Seattle that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. it's right near Amazon and Facebook and all these <laughs> other, Oh. Periphery companies have like opened up in some, you know, like when a big company opens up, all these other co- smaller companies open up to do sure shit. support companies and infrastructure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all put. So there's like this huge housing shortage here and they're building condos everywhere around me and, and stuff like that. It's kind of fucking up my view. I have this gorgeous view of the of uh, Lake Union, which is disappearing rapidly. Hmm. But um, 
uh, yeah, so I, I probably will just sell because it's going to get to the point where I can't justify not cashing in that check. I just don't know where to, you know, put it down. You know what I mean? I I say go unless your your career required you to stay in Seattle. Uh, and I understand the roots you've planted socially and all that because, uh, you know, it depends on. But, man, I would still stay in no income, no income tax state, Washington. I go Spokane, Leavenworth, Yakima, something. Uh, but if you don't like that, man, Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, Denver's too expensive. You got to pay state income taxes there, but that's a fun town. Texas, uh, Dallas is a fun town. Tennessee, Florida, kind of depends what you want, but you could buy multiple houses and rent them out, or you could just go buy a ton of land and parcel it out on the outskirts of some burgeoning metro area, um, if you pl- if you play your cards just even half right, you could retire. Like you would never have to really work again, because that is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. That well, I guess if I was really minimalistic, I could do that. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, uh, speaking of which, okay, here's a little bit of, of news that happened uh, to me in real life news. You might have known this. I, I'm not sure if you're on my Facebook, but uh, I uh, had my car stolen. One of the benefits of urban living. Oh. That's not supposed to happen in socialist utopia, Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, no, not supposed to, right? And check this out, right? So I, you know, we we have a lot of things in common about, you know, being frugal and stuff like that. I bought my car new uh, right after one of my successful trade um, in 2000. I bought a brand new Honda Civic and, you know, had it, you know, a black. I had the spoiler, you know, exactly the way I wanted it. All my options, everything like that. Babied the shit out of it, had it for 18 years. Um, you know, uh, had it serviced, you know, religiously treated it like a baby mother. And I live in a building that, you know, garage, you know, secure building, you know, electronic fob to come in and all that kind of shit, whatever. Right. Motherfuckers broke into the front door of the building at like, I don't know, two 30 AM. I saw the surveillance tapes go in the garage, break into a couple of cars and then use my car as a fucking getaway with all their shit. <laughs> Your 18 year old Honda Civic, huh? Yeah, but well, you people laugh. I say, "Oh, eighteen year old dude, I love this car. You drive the same car for fucking eighteen years. Oh, That's the longest relationship yeah. I had in my life, yeah. with the exception of yeah. my parents." Okay, that, yeah. you know, I, I I've never had a girl longer than eighteen months. So this was this was an intimate thing. So because someone else uh, stole it and used it in multiple fel- uh, uh, felonies, mm-hmm. uh, I had to get a new woman, and I yeah. just bought a new car. And okay. one of the dilemmas I was I was going to ask you two cents on this on the off chance that someone listening to this now or in the future wants to know what is the uh what are your feelings about buying versus leasing when it comes to a car it it depends on the lease like you can get some really cheap leases uh me me personally i've always paid cash for cars and i always there are a lot of cheap cars out there you could find low mile cars for cheap i bought a car it's 2006 Subcompact paid five thousand dollars, twenty seven thousand miles. Uh, mm. My Kia Rio that I used to have three thousand five hundred dollars, thirty three thousand miles. Um, if you're willing to go and drive, <clears throat> and that's the thing, you got to make the United States your your shopping mall. Um, there are some cars within you know hundred, two hundred, maybe three hundred miles of your area where there's a dealer or somebody's just trying to look to get rid of it. Nowadays, you can look at Car Fox. You can look it all up online. You find out it has nothing. It's just this 
car that, and you're talking your, your Kia Rios, your, your, you know, your subcompacts of fits, um, of Veos, Cavaliers. These are just the, and they're more, they're more hassle for dealers to deal with than to make money on. So they just kind of get rid of them. They'll take them in on trade they'll fix them up a little bit. And I've had great luck, um, finding dirt cheap cars with low miles. And so mm. that's, that's what I do is I spend the time. Cause you think about it aside from a house and nowadays your education used to just be cars and houses were too most expensive. Now it's education, but up there, the number one expense you're going to have is cars. And if you don't buy or lease expensive, you know, I mean, God almighty, I see some leases, at least this Cadillac Escalade for $6.99 a month. I'm like, my mortgage wasn't even that much. Like, fuck you. Um, I, it's just, I, I go buy piece of crap, you know, well, they're not horrible, but they're, they're not fancy cars for dirt cheap and cash. I drive them into the ground and then I go get a new one or new, a new used one. New, newer, newer, newer. Right, right. So I got a 2003 Silverado that still works. I got my 2006 car we just bought. Um, and then a bunch of motorcycles, but that's kind of a different ball game. Uh, but that's that's what I would recommend. But yeah, the lease depends. Sometimes the lease is so cheap. I saw one guy who was paying $100 a month for Saturn. Of course, this was quite some time ago when Saturn was around. But in general, I don't know. I just, it's like, fuck, you got to deal with the lease. You got to go over your mileage. Uh, just there's so, and especially now, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the, um, you had the dot com bubble, then you had the housing bubble, and it's nowhere near as big as either of those. But there's the uh, auto loan bubble. <clears throat> where dealer financers and small time financers and all that made horrendous loans, car loans, like a seven year car loan. I mean, what, what collateral are you going to collect after seven years? Uh, and so these people have been defaulting. They've had to go and repossess. A lot of these uh, car finance companies have gone bankrupt and now they're at part of the inventory is the cars that they've repossessed. Uh, and then also the, um, rental market industry, there's a whole fleet, I want to say millions, but don't quote me on that, but a huge supply of used cars coming from the leasing companies that's about to hit the market. So at minimum, I'd say used car prices are going to stay stable. If not, they're going to go down because just a flood of them about to hit the market. But right now, I mean, I if you go online and look, you'll be able to find a car. If you're willing to spend 5,000 bucks, you should be able to find a car somewhere in the United States with less than 30,000 miles on it. And that's, that's what I recommend one and done. Don't bother with that lease stuff and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree. I, that's what I did. I, I looked into it and basically the only advantage to leasing, as far as I could tell was if you were able to deduct the lease as a business expense mm-hmm. um, and, uh, that would that wasn't an option for me. I'm not even sure how that would work. I guess if your company leases the car, like you okay. uh, you do it through your corporation, and like if you if you uh, like you might there might be a way where you could you could you could be able to do that if you could argue that the car was a well you know this because you're you're Mister Money Guy, mm-hmm. but uh, for most people that's really not an option. So um, yeah, I, I would say if you, you buy it as a cash thing, be fucking done with it. Then you own it. You can treat it well, and if, if you know when it when it comes time to sell it, if you have half a fucking brain, you can if you take care of it, you can probably get most of your money back. Right. Yeah. Or in my case, like you run up to two hundred thousand miles, and then all of a sudden the repairs aren't even worth you know the car, and then you're looking at like you know we're looking at about twenty five hundred to fix a car that had two hundred thousand. It was a Kia Rio for crying out loud. It's like yeah, let's throw that towards another new car. But yeah, I've never 
Boy, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I'd almost bet good money on it that if people just bought cars for cash and got rid of the desire to look flashy or impress girls, impress the girls at the nail salon, and you didn't get Range Rovers, you just everyone drove Kia Rios. Uh, I bet you we wouldn't have financial problems. Everyone have adequately funded 401ks. Houses would be paid off. But, you know, people, they got to have that brand-new Mercedes. They got to have that Cadillac Escalade. But, uh, you know. Well, that's what they, they tried to push the lease on it. By the way, the car dealerships, this is how they're making the money is on leasing, you know, the bar, mm-hmm. the, getting the income coming in. And uh, they were really pushing me on the lease thing where they would take $1,000 off the price if I would lease it. But there's all these uh, uh, there's all these little weird things in the lease agreement. Like if you go over a certain amount of miles, you have to pay so right. much per mile. I mean, there's all sorts of weird thing. And then there's there's something called gap insurance. You had I won't get into all this stuff, but if, anyone that's in that position right now, I don't want to make this all about cars. But it was kind of funny about this. It pretty much buy the fucker with cash. Buy you know buy a used car if you if you know about cars. I I, I caution people about buying uh, used cars if they don't know dick. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you can get it's you know it's it can get really dangerous um if you you know if you're shelling out five grand and you don't have an extra five grand laying around that's a big five grand you got to really know what the fuck you're doing mm-hmm. well so. it's it, the 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 thing with the lease though it, it my my one rule is uh uh what was my one rule uh oh if i don't control it i don't care my very second rule is less moving parts less problems and the lease just sounds like there's a whole lot of moving parts. Sounds like there's a lot of unnecessary complication. It's like you buy it, get it insured, get done. All you got to do is maintenance and oil changes and that's it. So, I, yeah, just forget the, forget the lease. If for anything, the headache and the bullshit you got to deal with with the actual owner of the car. Yeah, it's well, what's that expect? Keep it simple, stupid, you know. Kiss. Keep it simple. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So So that's well, that's that's basically your, your philosophy on life, Aaron, isn't it? Like how, how is it that you uh, – uh, your, your basic philosophy in life, your overview about most things is basically let fuck the bullshit. I'm just going to live mm-hmm. my life. And uh, especially now you, you're, you're, you're uh, having um, kind of an existential moment now, you know, pushing 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're thinking about that. You said, well, do I have more days behind or more days in front? You know, that's, that was a scary mm-hmm. time. I remember, I remember hitting 45. It wasn't that long ago for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that kind of thing. We're thinking, well, geez, how many, how many days are there? I got, maybe I got, I got more behind than I do in front. That's, that's oh, yeah, no doubt. Thing. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's why my focus has gone from money to time, which are very closely related and correlated throughout all your life, but especially younger. I mean, you got to sacrifice time to make the money. Now, because I've been frugal, I paid off my house, I don't have a mortgage, I bought rental property, I, put, uh, I played my cards right early, I sacrificed in the past. Now, money is not as important to me as time. And I do not tolerate bullshit at all in my life because it wastes my time uh so i i again normally they're one in the same but i look at things more in terms of time i know a buddy he makes millions um but he, he works 60 hours a week and he's 52 and i'm like dude stop <laughs> just stop you won you got enough of you oh no i gotta keep going like and and here i am i'm out golfing or hiking or riding a motorcycle or whatever else and uh, you'd be amazed how many people they just can't let go. You know, they got to hold on when they have more than enough money to retire. And so that's how I'm, I'm looking at it now. And, yeah, to to keep it simple is simply to save time. Um, you know, I, I'm really fearing 
uh, once the cars I'm starting to buy are like 2010 or 2015 or later, and I got all these electrical systems that I never asked for and, you know, starting starter systems that I can't repair. And now I got to be a, a computer hacker to fix a car and not a mechanic. <laughs> and I'm like, God darn, they're getting, cause that's one thing I liked about the Kia. It's like, it didn't even have air conditioning. Not that it was broken. It didn't come with air conditioning. One less thing to break. And you could just, it was like Legos. You could fix the car real easy. Um, yeah, but the duct, light, duct tape and uh, the, a screwdriver, that's all you need. Well, I did have a hanger holding up the, the uh, exhaust pipe for a while there. That that worked fine. Uh, but that's that's in life. Yeah, that's how I live the life in general. It's like, how is this going to benefit me more time? Or how much time is this going to cost me? Because uh, I'm trying to pack as much fun and enjoyment in life before I pass away. And that's inevitably what most people should be aiming for to get to. Yeah, you know, I, I had a... a, a uh, someone someone sent me a direct message on my, my Twitter, and they were asking me like a religious question and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm I know you're you're somewhere between a, an atheist and an agnostic. Is that correct? Uh, I'm agnostic. Yeah, I'm not. I, everyone keeps saying I'm a Republican atheist who hates the gays. It's like no, I'm I'm an atheist libertarian who's actually pro gay marriage. But that's yeah. I, I, well, I mean, it's not that you're pro gay marriage. You just don't want the government dictating dictating. Right. It right. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm agnostic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but someone asked me like a question uh, uh, about it, and uh, you know, my my beliefs. Are, you know, I'm, I guess people called me a pagan. I, that's just a word they use. But I said, well, they were asking me a question about the afterlife. I said, well, the, the, one of the reasons I had an affinity for the, the religion I have, if you want to call it that, is because it focuses on this life, not the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So that that you know what I mean? Like that's what it was. And I, I oh. do believe you need you need a, a spiritual belief system to deal with the uh, the unknowable and the incomprehensible. And by that, I mean, you know, things that are not cannot be explained yet by science or may never be explained by science or also tragedies in your life. Like uh, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, it it seems like yesterday to me, uh, my oldest friend died suddenly and tragically Mm -hmm. of a heart attack right on while he was working on the job. He's an iron worker Mm -hmm. and he was working overtime uh, on a Saturday and and literally had a heart attack right on the job. And, you know, the widowmaker and and uh, and died. Mm -hmm. And it was really tragic. And things like that, you need some sort of. my, in my opinion, maybe some people don't, but most of us need some sort of uh, religious framework to deal with this, if nothing else, just psychologically, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. at all. Oh, perfect sense, because I've been looking back into religion, and um, and it's because you can't look into that abyss. You can, you can logically conclude all you want, uh, but the concept of finiteness and you losing your sentience and your consciousness – and what, where was I before? I don't remember not, I don't remember before being bored. Hell, I don't even remember much before the age of three. All of a sudden, hey, all this shit that you've known your entirety, the entirety of your entire existence, gone. And not like, oh, now we're up in the clouds or there's this blackness. You're not even around to consciously be, uh, know what the blackness is. A true end, that is an abyss that you, you very few, if any, can look at and, and not be affected and then you guys start kicking around like, okay, what kind of philosophy? I hate to call it religion. I prefer to call it a philosophy. What kind of afterlife philosophy do I want to subscribe to? For exact reasons you point out, it's almost impossible to digest um, with just like, oh, that's it? That's over? Well, then, and, and let's say that is it. Then you got to ask, okay, then what the hell is this all about? Well, that, again, requires philosophy and some inner thinking. And somewhere I think the answer might be in one of the many different religions out there. But yeah, so, so I, even though I'm agnostic, uh, now that I don't have to worry about fucking putting food on the table and I can afford the heat pill, 
you know, now it's like, oh, we could, we're beyond Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And now we have to think of more esoteric matters like, oh, crap, that's a problem to think about now, isn't it? So, yeah, that's, I'm with you there with your, your Wiccan religion or, or having to have something to kind of deal with that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's essential to, uh, you know, anyway, for, for my sanity, it, it's kind of a, essential, I suppose. Um, mm. you know, cause, cause like you, I mean, you were probably raised some sort of Christian or something like that. Right. My, my dad was a pastor. He rather insisted on it. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is it with all the people I've become friends with on the internet? They all seem to be, you know, sons of pastors and stuff like that. I mean, because I there's, there's one or two type of preachers kids. They're either the goody two shoes uh, you ever see that it's a meme it's captain america he's the good preacher's kid and then it's tony stark he's the bad preacher's kid uh, okay the duality kind of, man you're out right you either become another good obedient christian and kind of like um oh what's his name the guy who died recently and his son is a pastor as well or you become this rebel like fuck that church and fuck religion and fuck jesus and fuck all that and then, um, and it depends on how you're raised. If you're, if your dad or your parents are particularly strict, you go out and fuck everything. You go out, you get into drugs, you get into fights. You, if you're a girl, you grab a guy. If you're a guy, you grab a girl, preferably two. Um, and you just go and have fun because your parents won't let you have any. And then, and inevitably you come around. But the larger point is that because the upbringing is so skewed, whether you're the good pastor or, you know, Captain America preacher kid or Tony Stark preacher kid, you're going to be galvanized a lot harder. I think you're going to become a much more interesting person so that you end up like, you're not going to find a boring preacher's kid. You just won't. We're not boring. We're very interesting and and we'll show you. Uh, but that's probably why you end up because you're not exactly Mr. Ho-hum tapioca pudding yourself. Yeah. You, you probably are going to find some interesting people of which a disproportionate percentage of them will be preacher's kids. Okay, makes sense. Fair enough. And I've been very fortunate with my with uh, my uh, internet sh- friendships as I've met some extremely interesting people, and we we share a lot of uh, mutual acquaintances on the internet. And they, they you got to admit, we have some interesting internet friends. Oh, it's the best. Oh, we got yeah. I'd have it no other way. I mean, this is you know, have it, Could you imagine if we were normal people that had friends at the water cooler and the fucking cubicle slave and then the, <laughs> the frumpy wife? No, we know the fucking Beckloff. We know weirdos like uh, fucking Forney, uh, Sturzinger herself. Oh, she a freak of nature. I love it. I mean, uh, life would not be complete without knowing Anne. So, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, it, it makes life. This is the we get the best spice in life hanging out with these people. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Anne. I just I read a book not too long ago. She just, oh, by the way, plug for Anne Sturzinger's new book. Uh, what's it? Well, geez, what's Murder on the Scene? How do you pronounce that name of that French river? Um, uh, anyway. Google Ann Sturzinger. I interviewed her once when she, about her about her first book, um, uh, Novesquim, which means is Latin for nowhere. And a very interesting lady, to say the least. But, yeah, don't uh, don't read it when it's dark or you're sad. Don't read Anne when you're dark or sad. Yeah, well, go to Disney World and read it while you're lying on the beach. Otherwise, yeah, Anne, Anne has a certain uh, a certain worldview that's uh, hard to encapsulate. You just need to read one of her novels, and she'll take you to the abyss. And, uh, you know, I'll just leave it at that and you can uh, unravel that mystery for yourself. Uh, But anyway, interesting lady. But one of one many uh, men and women we've we've come to know uh, through the Internet is is very interesting, you know, because I was thinking about this earlier about um, my my in real life friends that, you know, don't really have any sort of Internet presence. I generally never speak to them about any sort of heavy topics uh, Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, we 
talk about things like, um, uh, you know, women, guns, cars, th- at least I do, you know, and mm. my internet friends, it seems like we, we tend to breach sub broach subjects that are, um, you know, we'll talk about religion or something. I mean, some of my friends, I'll talk a little bit about politics. We don't really get into it. You know what I mean? Mm. And, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like it's kind of good that I kind of have these two, this, this dichotomy to my, my, uh, uh, circle, so to speak, because I can talk about all these really diverse, interesting topics, you know, like I talk about religion with, uh, you know, pastor Tom, I think, you know, mm-hmm. at least tangentially no. and, um, or, um, artistic layman, who's also a very devout Christian and stuff like that. Oh, another pastor son. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you he's know, the Captain America type. He's the good one. Yeah. Yeah, he's the yeah he's the guy. That, I think actually uh, he's so good. I think he's the only person besides Jesus that was born without original sin. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If anyone knows him, he's that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, so you talk to people like that. And then you like you know, there's really interesting people like the Beckloff who has the, the most. Um, what's what's the word? Eclectic uh, uh, eclectic interests. I mean, he's interested in everything from uh, conservative politics to um figurines yeah yeah well and that's that's why he's it's my favorite podcast is because okay you get a little bit of politics in there but i i tune in for the geekery you know like he's talking i didn't know who chris chan was did you know who chris chan was before he started talking about it no i didn't did, actually there's did, a lot of there's a lot of people i didn't know that i wish i didn't know i didn't know yeah. what the chases were either <laughs> what's well, the pandora's box it's like you you would have no idea this stuff exists unless you tuned into the backlog and I'm glad I did because I, I know it's frivolous and ultimately pointless, but I'm kind of wondering, like, yeah, what is the drama over at um, oh, what's the channel? Channel Awesome. What's going on with those guys? I don't know these people. Never heard of them before. I don't affect it or control it, but they sound about like a bunch of socialist douchebags. So I hope they get what's coming to them. You know, so it, it it's a reprieve. It's a respite from the fucking daily tortures of life and regular politics and shit you got to deal with. So. No, I, I absolutely love listening to Beckloff, and um, not that I'm friends with any of these people, but I've been tuning into a ton of different podcasts, like history podcasts about Britain and Russia and all that. But yeah, the the number of friends that I have, if I look at in my real life of friends, they are good people, but they're boring. They're essentially dead now. No one goes out and does anything. But the funnest times I have now, I may have to ride my motorcycle 1,500 miles to see the Beckloff. But it's fun as hell to hang out with them. I might have to fly out to Vegas, but when I go see Matt Boldoni, it's fucking fun as hell. Um, and so that thankfully we at least have the internet to, to meet these people and engage with them. Um, but you know, some of the one of the greatest blessings, if not the greatest blessing in my life right now, is I could go drive and meet these people uh in person, and you find out, well, more often than not, that that they're the real article, they're not just some kind of fake posers. It, it's some there's some really cool people out there. Yeah. And it's a mixed bag. I mean, we're lucky. I mean, our, our, our friends are not – look, we're not friends with wackos on the internet like uh, the Amazing Atheist. Or, oh, Christ. Know. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a quote about him. I, think, I don't know if it was the Beckloff saying this about the Amazing Atheist. He's, he's kind of – depending on how you look at it, he's either proof that God doesn't exist or that God does exist, you know, the, one extreme or the other. Yeah. Because uh, he's just so I, – I think it was Forney, actually, that said that, actually. It could be on, on one of his uh, most recent uh, – uh, live streams, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of freaks out there on the internet, so you got to be careful about it too, because that was a danger when I when I got on, you know, the, listening to Beckloff and speaking with him, getting to know him and and you know many different guests he has on the show. 
getting exposed to all this stuff. And, you know, my, part of it might be just, you know, our age, Aaron. You know, we're, we're in our 40s and stuff like that. Those, these guys are all much – not much younger, but, you know, they, they tell me 20s and 30s. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're so plugged into all this stuff that's going on. And when you're – you know, when you're, you know, Gen X or something like that, a lot of that you didn't, you don't know about, you know what I mean? You, you're, mm-hmm. you just don't find it. You find it. You're like, holy fuck, man. I can't believe these people actually exist. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know this, this must perplex you sometimes. You see how stupid people are and you wonder, <laughs> how are these people still alive? How do they not just get hit by a truck? It's well, I know I can answer it two ways. It's either they come from money. Or they're such freaks now that they're the freak show and they make money. Quite literally, like back in the day, uh, the freaks in the freak show, they made significant sums. They did all right for themselves. Uh, so, I mean, the Amazing Atheist is a perfect example. He did come from money. I remember looking back into his back. I think his dad was something to do with Hollywood or something. They, they weren't starving. Um, but then he's such a a freak, and he's not faking it. That's what's scary, um, that people, I think, tune in to watch The train wreck. Uh, and then also, I would say, in the case of a of an amazing atheist, or where you would you would look at it and you're like, my God, this is this is the Pandora's box. This is horrible. This is uh, uh, this is ill. This is this is wrong. You forget, or maybe you'd like to forget, but deep down inside, you know, the percentage of millennials and Gen Zers that are mentally ill and like to commiserate with other losers is at least a third of their population, at least a third. And so since they're unemployed or unemployable or they got nothing else going on, this is basically their new religion and their social life. And these are kind of like their popular people or their heroes. And so that's how these people make a lot of it. So you could see just the freaks and the weirdos, uh, the mentally ill out there, and then the people just rally around them. Uh, and you know, now you have platforms like YouTube where you can make a lot of money, uh, being a freak and a weirdo. Uh, so that's, that's how they make their money and that's how they're popular. I don't think, again, getting to the time issue, these people are wasting their lives. I mean, I got way more important stuff to do than watch the view or watch the amazing atheist or, you know, watch uh, channel awesome or whatever. Um, but these people are, you know, they're not, they're, they're wasting their lives no matter how much. Well, isn't there a guy, <clears throat> Chris always picks on him. This guy had, he had like millions of dollars as one of the most popular YouTubers. And then he just pissed it all away on houses and cars and whores and blow. And now he's got nothing. He's got nothing because he's too lazy to make any more videos. Um, that's That's kind of the balance or the, the Zen or the universal equilibrium that occurs where, yeah, they're, they're popular and they're freaks and God, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And to older gentlemen like us, you know, like what is going on over there? Uh, Even if they do make their money, they're not mentally capable of enjoying it or realizing their position or are capable of being happy in life. I, I don't think I've ever seen the amazing atheist smile once. Not once. He just looks like a perpetually angry individual. Well, I, I think I caught a hint of a smile on him when he was pouring that stuff on his penis. <laughs> well, okay, my point. All right. So you'd, you'd like to think that maybe a good Bill Cosby skit would make you smile, or maybe watching watching your nephews play, ah, oh, hey, that's cute. Look, they caught their first fish. Not pouring shit on your genitalia, but... I, I, yeah, to each his own. No, I, I you know... 
And, and you know, most of, most of our listeners are probably younger than we are. And I just like to say, you know, keep your, um, keep your priorities in check. Don't get too uh, wrapped up, even, even in the voyeuristic way. Don't get too wrapped up in these other people because you got to ask yourself, how does this benefit your life? You know what I mean? Like, is it – I mean, if you're just tuning in for the car wreck – how many car wrecks do you want to watch? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? At a certain point, it, 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 it's got to be damaging your, your psyche or your religious person, your soul. You know what I mean? It's just chill with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Get I mean, out and, there, go for a ride. Go, call, right. go, if you're Aaron, go, go hike up fucking mountain. He loves that shit. Yeah. Drag, drag Beckloff with you. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, how much, how much Anita Sarkeesian, even if you agree, whether you agree or disagree, like you disagree, you can't, oh, I can't believe Anita Sarkeesian, I can't believe, oh, she's such a feminist evil person or yeah, you go in here, you go in here. It's like you're sitting in front of a fucking computer screen, go outside and play. And this is one of the hip, uh, hypocrisies that, that, uh, you know, I was telling you how I was really angry today and still a little bit am angry is I get mighty tired of, you could genuine, generally say <clears throat> that our sphere, our little neck of the woods here on the interwebs, especially for older guys like you and me and say Molyneux or Rich Cooper or I'm um, trying to think just some some slightly older gentlemen, our, our goal is to help out and self-improvement and advice, especially in the man, uh, manosphere, uh, masculine red pill word, world, is let's improve. Mm. And then I look at way too many people who claim to be part of that uh, sphere or this team or this movement who just are fat out of shape. All they do is look at the fucking interwebs. Uh, they don't go out and play. They don't go on hike. They don't work out. Uh, they don't have jobs. They're living at home and, uh, and they just have that, but, and that's fine. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) Be the neat, stay at home. Don't hustle. But then what really pisses me the fuck off is when some of these people try to dispense advice and act like leaders and guide younger people, even people our age who are like, you know, presumably you think you're, you're in your upper 30s or lower 40s, you got your shit together. I know way too many people and the red pill minister, whatever you want to call it, that are rather well known uh, and they're, they're, they're dispensing advice. But then when I meet them, I'm like, you're a fucking loser. And worse, you're a hypocrite. How dare you give these people advice? And on top of it, it's not really brilliant advice. It's advice anybody else would be giving you. But Jesus Christ, I don't know if you know who Rich Cooper is, but take a look at Rich Cooper or say an Ed Lattimore. Maybe you know who he is. These are accomplished men with careers, jobs. They don't live at home. They're in shape. They work out. And then as an aside or an addendum or maybe a passion, they also participate in this community and, and provide material and help guide young men and women for those that are willing to listen. But for every one of those, I'd have to say there's like three, I'd say almost 75% of the people out there in the manosphere internet world, especially, and I'll, I'll, I'll provide this qualification. If you got an avatar and you're a pickup artist, no one knows what the fuck you look like. Yeah. You're a fucking poser. A hundred percent of those people with the fucking Roman Greek statues as their fucking avatar and they're giving advice. Um, I, I'm real sick of these posers uh, dispensing, quote, wisdom when they themselves can't run a fucking mile, can't fucking keep down a job, can't fucking get out of their folks' house. Um, it, it, it really irks me. And so that's another reason, not necessarily that I am plugged because I wasn't that, you know, I, I didn't like, oh, my God, Trump, I can't handle it anymore. It, it wasn't that. 
It's just kind of like once I started meeting all these people, have you ever been to a meetup? You ever go to like one of the earlier Manosphere Red Pill meetups? No, I actually I didn't. I, I've, I've yet to do any of them. <laughs> it's 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 a sad state. It's fucking sad. But I went to two. Um, I have my own meetups where I meet some fans, but I've gone to two other ones. And it was disheartening. It was really sad and pathetic because you look at the audience and at least 60% of them, you look at them, you're like, oh, wow. You guys just like have no, I mean, you desperately need the help and maybe good you're coming here. But you look at them like 60% of you are not going to put forth the effort to improve your lives. You're just looking for an excuse. You're just looking for an emotional tampon to excuse away your laziness. And and that's it. You, you know, fat, 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 lazy, non-hygienic, fat, unemployed, fat. It's like, and after a while you look, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, you, 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 if you want to listen, please do. But it's more important that you participate in action. But then what's worse, I'd say one in two of the quote, Experts in the manosphere or content producers, you look at them, you're like, what the fuck? No, no. And then you start to realize, holy shit, this is my industry. This is a reflection upon me. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is these are the people who are listening and these are the people that are giving advice. And so that's another reason why I just kind of had to unplug. and, And I know I do asshole consulting. I'm on YouTube every day producing content, but it's out of demand. I, I just couldn't like, Hey, do you want to go to this meetup? Do you want it? It's like, no, no, really. I don't No. Uh, I, Hey, we're all going to meet down here. Like, yeah, I know you, 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 and you, and four of the five of you are having your parents fucking pay for it. Fuck. No, I don't want to go. And so that's, that is where it's kind of disheartening and depressing where there is legitimate, 100% legitimate point and purpose to the creation and movement in the red pill community. But the more and more I look at it, the more and more I'm cripplingly depressed when I see how few, how few men are using it to improve themselves versus excuse themselves. And then how many of the actual leaders, they themselves are losers. And so that's, that's why I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Not only do I got to unplug from politics, I got to unplug from kind of like the pickup artist. Not that I was really a PUA type of guy, but, uh, and I even got to, what triggered this is I had a video request on my opinion of pickup artists that I got to still do. Um, but again, I got to, yeah, you know what? I want to learn about the Korean war. Let's learn about the Korean war. I'm going to download, uh, uh, what was it called? When diplomacy fails podcast, I'm going to listen to Russia rulers history podcast. I'm going to listen to world-class bullshitters. I'm going to listen to the Beckloff on the geekery. Uh, because after a while, like, you know, we got more days behind us than in front of us. And if this is going to be the sad charity case where no one's going to actually make conscious efforts and strides towards improving themselves, and we're all going to spout the same Nicene Creed about masculinity and excellence and uh, working hard, but no one's going to do it, then it's kind of like, eh, well, what's the point? So, Yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's interesting, Aaron. I, I really I can't disagree with anything that you just said. I, I, uh, I agree. Um, and what was interesting when I got to know some of these people uh, in the manosphere, I'm not going to name any names right now because I don't, don't want to. No, and they don't, they, they, we shouldn't, uh, for obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. but um, you know, some of these people, like you, you 
when you just say read someone's writings or listen to someone's podcast or you know watch their videos something like that you can kind of create a fall a kind of a, an illusion of who and what they are about and then totally. when you get to know them you know you develop uh, some level of like you know just personal intimacy of just knowing them and having private conversation you realize some of these people are very deeply flawed human beings now mm -hmm. that's fine everybody is you know uh everybody's human everybody's you know i i certainly am fucked up in all sorts of ways i'm i'm just more honest about it i think and i i'm not one to really dispense advice except in like a kind of a coffee table manner about mm -hmm. it I, I don't i don't uh i don't necessarily i'm not what you would call a content creator like you said like you you have a specific expertise and and um and when it comes to finance and kind of uh uh, creating a life of uh, you know kind of a minimalistic life. I don't know if that that's kind of how I how I view what you do, and I really enjoy uh, your work in that area. But my, basically, my presence on the internet is basically interviewing people that I find interesting and intelligent and engaging, and 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 uh, trying to draw more out, uh, trying to draw more information out of them. That that's my whole shtick. Basically, that's what my channel is about. If you've watched any of my videos, it's basically about that. I'm giving an audience to someone else, and I'm just kind of like a conduit trying to uh, interview them and bring it more, bring it more out. Right. No, and that and that's cool. It's entertaining and everything. Because God, I, I enjoyed tuning into your your uh, your YouTube channel two years ago before you decided to go ghost on us. <laughs> but but no, and I and I appreciate it. But yeah, and I'm not. And you're right. It's there's nothing wrong with being flawed. Everybody is flawed. My issue is, did you improve? I was horrendously flawed. I was the biggest nerd. I liked social graces and not to mention I was a small skinny kid. So I had to learn to be scrappy and fight and all that other stuff, but I improved, you know, you look what I'm seeing in, in, in my little sphere in the world is nobody has the balls or the work ethic to improve. And, and that's, that's where it's kind of, kind of get excited so yes hey man if your corner of the internet is just interviewing people awesome that'd be that'd be awesome and it'd be a lot less and you don't have to you don't have to dispense the advice but uh, i don't know you got a six hundred thousand dollar house you're bought bought and paid for you might want to consider offering advice <laughs> yeah well yeah especially considering my background where i came from right i don't know how much right. you know about that but no you were not I, rich you were not rich no i was <laughs> no i was not rich uh, <laughs> You didn't have the Cavarishi pants, I bet, back in 1988. No, no. I had. Uh, my, I think my, my. I think my mother did my. Uh, when I was a child, my mother bought my clothes at Sears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. J.C. Penney and Walmart. Yep. Yeah, this was before Walmart even existed. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I always had the funky-looking uh, clothes that you know had went out of style two years ago, if they were ever in style. And I always, you know, my mother always used, another thing my mother always used to do to save money was she used to buy clothes that were uh, two sizes too big for me. Yeah, you grow into them then? Yeah, and I always mm -hmm. look like a weirdo to everybody else, you know. Well, I got hand-me-downs from my Uncle Jeff because he was also a very svelte man, and he was also much younger. <clears throat> he was kind of like in between my dad and me in terms of age, kind of an oopsie baby. Uh, and then I'd get these nasty because he was a kid in the early 70s. So here oh, I am in the, the 80s, the, getting like the these brown, oh, the brown plaid with the big brown swow, the, the, the fucking lapel. Lapels, lapels. Oh, I could fly if I did this with that. Oh, my God. They're horrible. Why'd you get the shit kicked out of you in the second round? Oh, no. Did you see the fucking shirt you made me wear today? <laughs> It says this. This color just says "kick my ass." Oh my god, it was horrible! Just horrible. 
I would have oh, kicked. By the way, ass. I wanted to say something about. Uh, I think, in my opinion, or the most enjoyable video you did was I don't know if it was a millennial, millennial or Gen, Gen Z guy wanted to become an honorary Gen X. Oh and yeah, I, that I was recent. Do, I hope yeah. I hope you do more videos like that. I really fucking love this one. Well, he and paid a hundred dollars, and that's what I'm going to charge because I got to print off the certificate. You want a certificate and everything? I had to go buy the fucking stuff at the the materials shop. Came out a lot better than I thought it would. But yeah, if if uh, anyone else wants to become an honorary member of Gen X, you may do so. It's just going to cost you a bit. Well, you got to go. Th- you got to go through Aaron to do this because it is. Let's be honest; it's a religious ceremony. It is a religious, very yeah, yeah. You had the whole get up, and I gotta be honest. You know, Aaron, because you're kind of, you know, you're a minimalist. I will, uh, that's my definition of you. You might disagree with it, but that's how I see you. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I I really appreciated the effort you went in doing that. I thought that was freaking brilliant. Oh well, I've gone. I I actually have a creative side. I mean, one time I sewed an entire ninja costume back in college for uh, for Halloween. I went as Duff Man and the the. I made the duff cans and everything. I mean, I got it. If I get a good idea, I'll run with it. Um, but as of reason, I've just been slammed with work, uh, especially with asshole consulting, that I haven't really had to be very creative. Normally, my creativity goes through my writing, uh, which has suffered uh, as of recent. Uh, but, yeah, back. I mean, I would, especially with the girls, I could come up with, you know, back before you had social media, I would take Fox News and – I. People thought that, that no one knew about the alt print screen. That got me so many girls because I'd fake a create a fake news story. You know, girl agrees to go with Aaron Clary, Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan. Welcome the good news that uh, we'll lower interest rates, and then you send it to her. And, but yeah, I, I, I have a creative streak. It's uh, well, no, I, I believe it. I've seen it. I, yeah. Oh, by the way, there's there's um one thing I want to talk about. I remember I read the bo- the book you sent me. By the way, thank you. Um, uh, you sent it to me. Well, I think it was like a year ago. Um, well, which one was it? It was the collection. It was the uh, fall collection of your 2007. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. And one of the posts was really good, and I think it was uh, you were describing now. I read it a while ago. Let's test my memory. And you were talking about your drive through Philadelphia. Okay, this yes. is ring a bell. You've written a lot, so I don't know mm-hmm. if this is ringing a bell for you. And <clears throat> you were talking about all the urban blight and and all that, and uh, you know, let's you know, Philadelphia is a classic example of uh, you know lib- <laughs> what happens to liberal you know liberals you know when liberals are put in charge. Let's put it that way. And you said something that was really really good. Something that I always known was, but it was never said so bluntly. Only the way the captain could put it <laughs> about how what if Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, Barack Obama, all these people in power, no that all these policies are not going to work, mm-hmm. but they don't care. Right. Because it's in their interest for them not to work. Right. Well, let I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a, I wouldn't say necessarily one up because the devastation and the damage the Democrats have done to poor communities is, is appalling. Um, but take a look at Oprah. I, I wonder it because Oprah grew up poor. <clears throat> Oprah yeah. busted her ass off. Oprah is a very clever businesswoman. I have a hard time, even if she is team woman, to believe that she even believed half of her shit. Do you think she really cares with her? What is she worth now? Uh, $3.5 billion? I mean, do you think she cared how many millions of American women's lives she ruined? 
Because I've seen uh, Oprah fans, and I know a couple now because my dad kept getting married. Uh, but anyway, I, I know these women now who they were devout Oprah. Oh, my God, Oprah, 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 Oprah. They're old. You want to talk about post-wall apocalypse? Here it is for the any Oprah woman that was listening to that fucking slot back in the 80s. Um, they're old. They're out of shape. Most of them do not have a man, not because they're widows, but because they divorced their husband or the husband. And if they do have a husband, they they did that stuff that Oprah and you go girl isn't that their husband is now just this completely, I wouldn't say beta cucked, but defeated man who just has a certainly has no desire to woo her anymore. Yeah, uh, fuck it. I just don't care to get divorced. He just he just wants to be left alone. Um, uh, that that right there is, I think, proof positive that a lot of these people damn well know what they're doing. Uh, higher education is another perfect example. Don't tell me these deans and and uh, a diversity reserve assistant vice director break glass in case of emergency diversity directors or these adjunct professors or these professors. Don't tell me they don't know that they're totally fucking over their students. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me an African-American studies professor believes for a second in the fucking slot they're teaching in black kids. Because if they actually gave a damn about black kids, they'd say, dude, this is a worthless degree. This is a completely worthless degree. You should not get this degree. You should go be, you want to close the wage gap, go be an engineer. Go no, they will sell their own. They will drink their own children's blood and eat their young if they have to. Uh, women's study, another perfect example. How many women's studies professors or feminists do you know that are really happy? If they really cared about women, say, you know what? Stay in shape. Make a man happy. Go major in engineering. Go become an accountant. Don't do this shit. No. These people damn well know what they're doing. And it's it's the epitome of evil uh, to, to betray anyone, but especially your own kind, especially those you purport to be hanging out or ha- helping out. And so I'd say probably the most egregious example would be the Democrats uh, lying to poor people, especially minorities and women. Uh, but in, in other Smaller but no less damaging instances, feminists lying to women, African-American professors, uh, African-American history or African-American studies professors or any any hyphenated American studies professors teaching the same uh, ethnicity that majors in that study uh, should just be should just be disgustingly ashamed of themselves. And then just academia in general and, and then Oprah. But you know what? At the same time, I'm kind of wondering, you know, good for them. You know, if, if these people are dumb enough to fall for it, yeah, I, I can't really blame Oprah. I, I can't really, I mean, yeah, it's immoral, but she's the one with $3.5 billion and you and I don't live over on Navy Pier. <laughs> so so right. I, you know, and no one put a gun to these women's head to believe it, but they believed it. So it's like, yeah, maybe selling lies is, is more, well, it is more profitable, but maybe it's not as immoral as I think. Well, I think I think it was, I don't know, something I've read of yours or perhaps maybe it was a, a video you made where you kind of alluded to the fact that you could have been, you know, made a shitload more money than you make now if you were to sell lies instead of uh, hard truths. Oh, yeah. And banking, if I just approved loans, I would have, yeah, I would have been way ahead. I, I almost guarantee I could have been a millionaire by now. If I had just approved loans and gone with it, I would. And then Especially, let's say you and I, all the effort we've put into the internet, manosphere, and all right, and all that. What if we put that into rah-rah feminism, and not the the generic crap that's written at Exo Jane? But what if I were to take my economic 
abilities and my financial mathematic abilities and just come up with some absolutely skewed statistics, mathematically correct, but absolutely skewed and misleading and just created the ultimate lying book that, that feminists and women wanted to hear with empirical data and proof that proved, you know, women were superior or something. I've, I've debated it. I've debated it and, you know, things are going good now, but if they ever go bad, I'm, that's probably my next step is, you know what? And who's going to bring me down? It's going to be these people who think I'm an evil, misogynist, bigoted, misanthrope, whatever. It's like, yeah, you know what? You are right. I think I should lie. Because what hurts leftists more are, are, than me are other leftists. Uh, your professors who are leftists that sell you a $100,000 degree that's worthless. Uh, leftists who vote in the religion of peace who then get rammed over by the religion of peace in urban liberal dwellings. Um, it's, it's now, I think if I get paid to push people off the cliff who hate my guts, I think I can do that. I think I can start, especially if, if they're going to protest or complain and try and, you know, take whatever modicum of my, uh, my entrepreneurial endeavors that I have here away. So if if that happens, then yeah, we're going to, then I'm going to become a really, really, really dark and bad and quite literally evil preacher's kid. But you won't know it because it ha- I'd have to remain anonymous. It'd have to be under a pen. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to create a nom de plume. Right. Um, I hope you don't completely go over to the dark side, so to speak. Uh, um, I kind of enjoy your uh, uh, tuning into your hate facts um, because it, it, you know I think you what you provide is kind of keeping people grounded. You know, <laughs> you know you don't you're not telling people follow your bliss and you know no. this other stuff. <laughs> No, I and no, I hope it does too. And and it's great because we, I, well, we've done a lot of good. I get I I get a lot of, uh, I hate to say fan mail, but uh, follow up letters. Let's say from clients at Asshole Consulting, and and it's all because Asshole Consulting is now four years old. So I'm starting to see some kids like who were 17 that are 21 now, or 18 or 22. Hey man, just want to let you know, and like. 2015, you said not to major in this, and now I graduated two years ago, and I'm making 65 grand. Or hey, I'm I just made lieutenant in the United States Army, and I got this certification, and it's like, oh, dude, it's like paying off, and that's great. That's like it's awesome to see. Well, that also, you can't out. even you can't even put a dollar amount on that. Like, there's a certain feeling that comes with that because we are human beings, and mm-hmm. there's something that just feels good. I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about how money becomes less important and, you know, enjoyment becomes more important. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's certain rewards that you can't really uh, measure in dollars and cents quite. It's like knowing you made a positive impact on someone or someone had, someone realized something positive specifically because of an action that you took. Mm-hmm. That feels good. Oh, it feels, it feels good, but it also feels great knowing the amount of hell I made them avoid. Like, I can't think of anything worse than having a worthless degree and then banging away and trying to get jobs and one, not getting them two having the student loans, but then three, having no fucking clue why I'm failing because I was told by, by parents to professors for 25 years that this was going to work. And I think that's one of the more damaging ones, but what I really like, and this is where the evil comes back in. I have got, I, I almost, I guarantee you, I have cost academia $10 million. I have taken $10 million out of the mouths of liberal arts professors, leftist professors, and big education. And I mean, we're, they get seven or 700 billion a year, so it's not going to stop them. But I like to think that 
you know, yeah, I've, I've made it so they've had to lay off some adjunct. I've made it so there's one less class that professor gets to teach. I like the fact I am costing evil leftist socialist parasitic assholes money because I'm telling the truth about the worthlessness of the product they're trying to peddle and sell. So it's great to see the kids, the kids now, if I'm so in love with the captains in the army, um, seeing these young men and women succeed. That's great. That's awesome. It's also great to see that they avoided the pain and agony I went through or the pain and agony they could have gone through. But then, man, that, that cherry on the top is that the, I cost the, the, the leftists uh, a fair amount of money and, and prevented a lot of brainwashing, too. I cost them probably a couple thousand votes, too, I'd like to think. Well, yeah, because there's there is there is truth in that because then because the, then these people because they become successes by taking advice that you laid out to them and then they become models for other people either directly or indirectly they pass on the knowledge other people just look at them succeeding and they they model uh, their behavior instead of the bullshit they're being told by the establishment yeah go to college you know take out a hundred thousand dollar loan to get a degree in fucking women's studies you know which uh, hold on a second turn this damn thing off um, uh, so uh, to do that. Uh, you know that that, that so it, it's an exponential thing. So it really can't. You don't even know how much you've actually costed these people, right? Because let's say the guy that you uh, you mentioned before is a he's a you know a lieutenant in the army now, and mm-hmm. he was you know he was previously previously thinking about getting a degree in uh, I don't know art history or interpretive feminist dance or some bullshit right, like that. Right. And then he goes on and you know becomes a success, and uh, he's in the uh, he's in the army. He's going to learn. Uh, he, uh, he's going to learn uh, uh, to what? kill people. Well, 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 yeah. Besides that, actually, I have, I have a close friend of mine that's a senior officer in the in the air. actually a full colonel in the air force, and um, he's you know career guy in the military. And they've put him through school. He's never had to pay a dime for it. He's learned all sorts of shit. I mean, most of he's like not even allowed to talk about. Um, <clears throat> but if when that guy retires, which I think is going to be in two years, I can guarantee you he's going to be offered a job. Uh, you know, with a starting salary of a half million dollars because of all the opera. And this guy's fought in like I don't know how many wars and and. You know, and the shit that he's learned, uh, there's no other way he could have done it except through the uh, having the government uh, pay for it. Mm-hmm. So that that's just, you know, on that same vein is what I was saying. Right. No, and I, I kind of hope that, you know, if you get into positions of, of leadership, I don't want to say power, but leadership, that lieutenant now here, he's got a sergeant and he's got an enlisted man. Come on, man, lieutenant so-and-so. I don't know what. Hey, hey, read this book. Oh, hey, don't major in that. Uh, and so, yeah, as people get promoted through whatever variety and paths through life. Yeah. You can influence uh, other people. Um, I'd like to think my book, the black man's got out of poverty. I I was kind of hoping that would blow up and just take down. I just wanted it to take away the black vote, not, not the black female vote because they love their government checks way too much. They love them way more than they do their own men. But if I could just get the black males to not vote Democrat and realize just how much they're getting fucked by the Democrat party, that was that was one of, and there's so certainly some hope. I've we I've definitely gotten uh, some black men out of poverty, and that's great because that's where you see the greatest, you know, helping a kid who's relatively well off from a moderate suburb change his degree from marketing to engineering. Okay, that's good. But you take someone who's growing up in Section Eight. This happened more than once, where the mom says she'll disown him if he goes off to college because she won't get as much Section Eight housing money. That is saving someone from a life of hell. And that's that's really good when you hear that, too, because of the, the drastic improvement uh, just just to, to get them out of pain and misery. And like, yeah, here's normal. You know, that that, uh, that goes away, too. 
Well, that's actually heartbreaking that uh, mothers would do that, but it doesn't surprise me because oh, no, oh, it's it's hard. You have no idea. I mean, it's not necessarily relegated to the black community, but disproportionately, there's also the common thing where they'll use their kids' social security number to get credit cards and ruin their kids' credit before they're even like fucking out of college, even going to college. It's horrible. It's just disgusting. And I I thought I hated black single mothers before. Now I really like the shit that I hear. I'm like, you fucking scumbags. You're using your fucking own goddamn children. It's like, yeah, yeah, no. The gloves come off. Gloves come right the fuck off. The- well, in, in that situation, I believe that they should come off. And, and you put on a pair of fucking uh, sap gloves and fucking uh, hit them with it. No, that'd be racist, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't really make the distinction between, you know, uh, black single mothers and white single mothers. You're a fucking single mother. Well, I'm not, we're not talking widows, by the way, anyone listening. We're, we don't, we don't, you know, what's great. We don't have to provide that caveat anymore. It's, it's not even, we don't have to do that anymore. I think there's enough people right now. They know, and the people that would come in, you know, I know what about widows? They know what they're doing. So we, we don't have to provide the caveat anymore. It's, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's, if, if you don't understand our honest and good intentions to help out our fellow man and women, uh, and to point out evil people and you immediately go running behind either technicalities, the color of your skin or your plumbing, but just go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself. Not only are you evil, you're a fucking coward too. And I'm, I'm just done with them. I'm not dealing with the, well, you, yeah, at, 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 right there. Well, Aaron Cleary tells it like it is. You know, we've been talking for a little over an hour, mm-hmm. so I'm going to wrap this up. And I, I know we could go on a lot longer, but I like to leave people hungry for more. Now, Aaron Cleary, you can find him at uh, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, I will put the uh, link in the description. Uh, you, anybody listening to me, you probably already know about Aaron anyway, but I'll put the link in there. Uh, tune in for, tune into uh, tune into him and read his blog. Um, he does. Uh, he gives he gives advice, and you can, and it's no nonsense advice. So look, he's not going to uh, sugarcoat, as you can tell if you've been listening. <laughs> Um, that's like he is, and you should appreciate that because a lot of other people will just tell you what you fucking want to hear, and you know, whatever. So, anyway, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. Aaron, thank you very much. Thanks uh, for having me, John. It was a pleasure to have you on. Good. Um, anyway, uh, that is all for this episode. And to uh, crib the cap captain, uh, toodles. So, <laughs> <laughs>